Happy Monday and welcome back to Locked On Red Sox podcast. Thank you so much for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen every single day. I am your host, Massachusetts Pirates team insider, Jake Ignazewski. And I'm also going to be joined by my co-host, Nesson writer, Lauren Campbell, just in a little bit. I hope everybody did have a great, relaxing weekend. And we want to thank you so much for all the support on part one of the Jared Carabas interview. I'm so excited for you guys to hear part two of our conversation with Jared. And in this episode, we talk a little bit about Jared's experience as a big sports personality and how he's able to have a healthy life-work balance with how busy his schedule is, especially during the baseball season. So let's listen to part two of our conversation with Jared. You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I I bet for yourself how much fame you, you've sort of accumulated uh, since 2018 uh, has, has sort of been pretty surprising for yourself. And I, I was wondering, like, when did you like take a step back and say, wow, like I finally made it. W- w- was it when, you know, Alan and Ginter, you know, came mm-hmm. out with your own baseball card or w- was it when uh, you did the episode with Pedro Martinez and David Ortiz, you know, two guys that you like grew up watching? That's a good question. I feel like, I feel like I should have like a canned like answer that where it's like, you just automatically think of it. Um, I, I would say it's probably the parade. Um, the parade it was like an, like the first time, cause I feel like the, I made it thing always kind of moves like where you have like a moment where it's like, I made it, you know, like, right. um, like my first time on TV, I was like, I made it. And, uh, you know, doing like the sports hub, I was like, man, like I made it, like I'm on the sports hub and I'm in the studio with like Zolak and Bertrand and Felger and Maz and like, this is crazy. And then you kind of just like, you keep doing things that trump the other things. Um, but I think when like, cause I had known Alex Cora, um before he was the manager of the red sox so i i used to tweet about rusne castillo all the time in like 2015 or 14 or whatever the heart and soul of Pawtucket. yes <laughs> and uh alex managed him in puerto rico so anytime i tweeted about rusne we would kind of get into it on twitter and that's <laughs> how we built our relationship originally was over rusne castillo tweets in like 2014. um so when he got named manager uh, I already had his cell phone number and I just reached out. I was like, Hey man, like, congratulations. Like, let's go, let's do this. Um, so, uh, I met him for the first time in Oakland when the Red Sox got no hit by Sean Mania. It was like April 20th around there, something like that. Um, and then because I think like JD Martinez was a free agent and that off season, I wanted the Red Sox to sign him. So Devlin was the barstool like social guy and he would just go up to my desk and like be like, all right, go and like shoot these videos. And I'm like, I'm like talking to JD through Devlin's phone and then he's posting it to the barstool main account and tagging JD in them. And then JD saw it and like sent back like a, like a laughing emoji or something. So I was like, all right, like he's seeing these, like, let's keep going. Like, let's, let's do this. And so I kept making these videos, like telling JD to sign with the Red Sox. And so then when I went to Oakland, we were on the field for BP. That was the first time that I met Alex in person. Uh, JD was taking batting practice and like, he saw me and like came over and talked to me. Um, So that was really like the turning point because when I was doing TV, I was ripping on guys like Sandoval and Buck Holtz. Like a lot of guys on the team didn't like me. Um, so I kind of like had that built in relationship with Alex and JD right away in 18. And then like more things kept happening where now you're building these relationships with guys on the team. And that ended up resulting in getting on the duck boat for the parade. (laughs) And, uh, 
So yeah, I mean, like get like being in the parade was crazy because uh, like obviously like there's like friends and family that they get they get on the, the duck boat, but they're like down below. Uh, mm-hmm. We were originally down below and we were told to stay down there. And then five minutes into the parade, JD was like, what are you guys doing down there? Like, get up here. And we were like, oh, OK. <laughs> so like we get up on the same platform as like him endeavors. Uh, and then like looking out into the crowd, like, yes, we're not on the team, but in looking out in the crowd, there are section 10 shirts and signs everywhere, everywhere flags, section 10, like some dude was holding up like a stay hot rocket sign. It was nuts. It's like, I'm, you basically got to feel what it was like to be one of the star players on a world series championship team. And yeah, I like looking back on that. It's like, I don't know how you could ever top that unless we did it again. Like if, if that Red Sox team won in 2021, like all like the Kyle from Waltham stuff that would be going on. (laughs) Like they, the, the, the town of Waltham would have given Kyle Schwarber, the key to the city and had a parade for him and maybe rename the high school baseball field after him, like dead serious. Like that probably would have happened. So, uh, I'm not saying that the 18 parade can't be topped. Um, but it would be really hard. Uh, it would be really hard. And I think, um, you know, we kind of do have like a short window to do it because eventually like I'm going to be old and it's going to be weird to party with players on the team. Like I'm 32. So it's like eventually it's like, all right, so I'm I'm going to be like 40 and on a duck boat going crazy with like 26 year olds. Like that's going to be weird. But so but now it's like JD is like, what, two years older than me. So it's not weird. Um, if Alex Cora is still the manager, not weird, but. Yeah, I would say doing that um, for the first time, um, that's definitely like the I made it moment for sure. Could teenage Jared ever picture this? Like, you know, you loved this team growing up. You watched Alex Cora growing up and it's like you're friends with them. Now you have relationships, meaningful relationships with Bobby Dalbeck, J.D. Martinez. It goes so much more than just being, you know, a media personality you have these friendships like could you know sitting back looking back at 16 17 year old jared it's like oh yeah one day i'll be like best friends riding a duck boat with the 2018 world series champions um no i don't i mean it's crazy It, it it actually is crazy that that's how it played out um but you, if you were to ask anyone that like I went to high school with, like, is it surprising? They would be like, no, like that's, that's the dude that wore a Red Sox shirt every day, uh, literally every day for my entire high school career. And until I turned 21, I wore a Red Sox shirt every day. And they would have been like, yeah, like, no, that makes total sense. Um, guy is a lunatic and he always has been. And like, this has been his life for <laughs> forever. So, um, I mean, I know that I got lucky and I know that it's right place, right time. You just have to make the most of the opportunity. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it, 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 it is crazy. <laughs> it is crazy that that's how it played out. I feel like I got very, very, very lucky um, to have the opportunities, have those types of relationships in, in like the whole networking thing. Um, and then on top of that, the Red Sox had to be good. If the Red Sox sucked this entire time, like I don't have a career. <laughs> if they don't win in 04 and 07 and 13 and 18, like, like where am I? I, I have no idea. Like, am, am I doing this for a job? Probably not. I mean, maybe, I don't know. Is it, is, is section 10 is popular? Definitely not. Like people aren't going to, listen to a podcast about a team that sucks. That's just not how that works. So, um, yeah, I, I, I definitely, um, owe a lot of it to luck and circumstance. Uh, but yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely don't take it for granted. That's for sure. But I mean, like looking at your experience before Barstool, I mean, you worked your butt off to get 
to where you are today. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so one of my goals with every single interview is to have people be like, wow, I didn't, I know you found that, but, uh, you know, what advice would you give to yourself as a marketing assistant for brick marketing <laughs> and for people who don't know, you know, after college, Jared worked for this SEO firm called mm-hmm. brick marketing. And, yeah. and then you became the on air personality for NBC sports, Boston. But I don't think a lot of people know about, you know, that sort of experience that you had. And, um, so looking back, like what advice would you give to yourself? Yeah. I mean, um, it's funny cause I actually, my boss at that SEO firm, a uh, huge Red Sox fan. So when I went in to interview, um, it was just like, all right, like let me see your resume. And then we just like started talking about like the Red Sox the whole time. <laughs> and he was like, he's like, I have season tickets. I was like, I have season tickets. He's like, this is great. Like he basically like hired a friend. Like yeah. I, I don't know that I was the most qualified person for the position, but like he was like, I, I like this guy. It's a small firm. Like I'm going to have to be around him a lot. And like he seems pretty cool. So I think that's honestly, if it wasn't for the Red Sox, I don't think I get hired there. Um, <laughs> but I've only seen him twice since I left. And the first time was before game one or two of the 18 World Series. He came to one of the shows that we did at Lansdowne. Um, and then he came to where I was sitting uh, after one of the Astros playoff games. So, and I mean, when I worked there, uh, he, if there was like a Red Sox day game, he'd be like, yeah, come in my office, pull up a chair and like, we can watch the game on like the TV in my, like, he didn't care. Like he was like, as long as you get your work done, he's like, I know like what you want to do. Um, so like, it's fine with me. Like I think David Price, the news of David Price signing with the Red Sox, uh, broke when I was at work there and he just comes like running in my office and he's like are you gonna blog about this and i was like yeah is it cool he's like yeah he's like you know obviously he's just, this is huge he's like i i love david price i'm so happy he's on the red sox he's like That's you know awesome. if it takes an hour to blog then just like stay an hour later or like you know clock in for an hour later tonight it wasn't like super like timely work or time sensitive work um so he he knew what i wanted to do um and i didn't have to because i know like KFC at Barstool used to talk about, you know, blogging on the job. And a lot of people do that. Like, it's like, yeah, this is what I want to do. So I kind of got to sneak it. Um, I was fortunate enough to where he knew about it. And not only did he know about it, he encouraged it. So by the time I had left there, our final meeting, basically, he was just like, uh, what are you doing here? Like, he's like, go, go do that like what do you why are you here he he was confused and frustrated that i wasn't going for it more um so yeah good guy uh it was it was a learning experience like i'm glad that i worked there because i want to be able to say like yeah like i worked a real job like i was there for almost a year i think i was there for like 10 months before i left but uh yeah, no, he was he was super cool, big Red Sox fan, and um, yeah, he kind of. I mean, he he didn't he didn't fire me. He was like, "I'm making you leave so that you go like pursue this full time. Like, you don't belong in in SEO." I was like, "I agree, sir." <laughs> I hope you guys are enjoying part two of our conversation with Jared Carabas. But Lauren just wants to take a second to talk to you about Built Bar. You know me by now. You know how much I absolutely love Built Bar. And now that it's the new year, that means some New Year's resolutions are starting to kick in. And if yours is about getting fit, maybe eating a little bit healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the best protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. doesn't have that chalkiness, maybe that cardboard taste that some other protein bars have. And it makes it easy to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good. You will want to eat it. Unlike those other protein bars, like I said, that can be a little chalky, a little cardboardy, maybe even a little waxy. It's just not good. Built Bar is not like that at all. There are so many flavors to choose from. There's raspberry, double chocolate, mint chocolate, and my favorite, cookies and cream. And Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. So by like week three of your resolution, when getting eating healthy is getting a little bit tricky, you kind of thinking, where's the chocolate? 
Built Bar. Built Bar is where the chocolate is at. And we have an offer for you. Go to built.com, use offer code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Definitely make sure to use that code. Now let's get back to our conversation with Jared. Having support, especially support from a job where you're just trying to make it is so big. I know when I was doing, I was blogging for all these websites, but I was still working a nine to five. And the the people, I worked two different jobs and they liked the idea of what I wanted to do, but had no interest in like even trying to support that. Like I was working as an accountant of all things when Chris Sale uh, was traded to the Red Sox. And of course, the first thing I want to do is jump and try to write about it. And they were like, well, you have to write this proposal. And I was like, okay, like this is not the place for me. Um, so to hear like you got so much support from an, from a place where they knew that it wasn't your career must've been so beneficial, clearly it was beneficial, but just to know that that exists in a workplace is almost unheard of these days. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he got a real kick out of it. Um, I don't know that he was like a huge Barstool fan, but he was a huge Red Sox fan. And I believe in addition to David Price signing with the Red Sox, I want to say the announcement that Pablo Sandoval had been suspended for <laughs> uh, being on Instagram during a game. I believe that also broke while I was at work there. And he just came into the office, just like dying laughing, being like, this is actually insane. Like, you got Pablo Sandoval suspended. <laughs> like that is asinine. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I totally, like, that's why I go back to luck. Like, of course it takes a lot of hard work, consistency, being good at it. Yeah, sure. But there are a lot of people that worked hard um, and were consistent and were good at it that didn't get the same breaks as me. Like I, I, I just, it just happened that way. I mean, I do, do I still end up where I am now if I worked a desk job where my boss wasn't cool with me blogging on the job or whatever, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, there were a lot of different um twists and turns to to get to this point uh that i can't be like yeah it's because i was good or yeah it's because i outworked everybody it's like no there there was a lot of luck all over the place <laughs> where uh like i i'm not gonna say like oh it was fate but like no i have no problem admitting i got lucky a bunch and in life you know there's always those what ifs like different scenarios, how they work out. But I mean, in, in the end, everything happens for a reason, in my opinion. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you know, something that like, <clears throat> I really commend you for is um, how, how you sort of carry yourself on Twitter, you know, you, you have you have tons of people coming after you left and right. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and especially, you know, for for people who, you know, are, are part of baseball Twitter or sports Twitter, um, how have you been able to sort of, you know, not allow that hate or the trolls sort of affect you mentally because you know it, it can it can easily tell you down mentally and you know make you feel bad about yourself oddly enough the more you get the easier it is to deal with i think when i first started out i remember i used to take it so personally and get so offended and so upset about it because you know when you're when you're starting out and you're 16 years old and someone says something mean to you, it's like, you monster. Like, what? Like, why would you say that to a 16-year-old kid who's just trying to turn his hobby into a career? Like, you, 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 you're a terrible person. Um, so I think by now, it's like, again, I'm 32. Uh, New Year's Day was the 16th anniversary of me starting my blog, which means that I've wow. literally been doing this for half of the time that I've been alive, not half of my adulthood, half of the time that I've been alive, I've been doing this. So um, I think maybe over the last year or two, a lot of the hate stuff is repetitive. You know, it's like, I heard that one a thousand times. Like, you know, what is what it is. Um, and then you also have to realize that a lot of these people that are saying these horrible things are like 15 years old. <laughs> like imagine how pathetic you would feel if this 
person behind the screen was saying this to your face and you were actually getting upset by it. It's like you're a kid on a playground. Like, it's like the scene from Step Brothers when they they like get beat up by the kids in the <laughs> playground. It's like that's yeah. it's funny because of how pathetic it is. So uh, it's a combination of that. And then the other thing that I always keep in mind is that the the things that hurt the most are the things that are true. And there's not a lot you can say to me that's negative that's true. It's like, you're an asshole. No, I'm not. Oh, you're a short little bitch. No, not really. I mean, I'm 5'10". That's about average height. Like, you wouldn't see me walking down the street being like, you midget. Like, oh, you're broke. No, I'm not. You're ugly. Definitely not. <laughs> it's like, you're a virgin. Nope, I'm not. It's like all the most of the insults that people try to throw at you on the internet unless it's true then like what why would you get upset about something that isn't true and if you're confident in yourself and you're you're secure in yourself because i think the other thing people uh you know would get upset about is like if someone said something about you and it's not true and then you you get upset about it because you don't want other people to see it and then believe it and think that it's true. It's like I, I don't care. Like that that's the thing is like if you say something about me and it's not true, I don't care who like if, like you're an idiot if you believe it. Like it is what it is. So yeah, I mean, I honestly this past year I haven't um I haven't I, I used to read every tweet I got. Like I used to read every single one and um, like even when there were hundreds, thousands, like when I would wake up in the morning, I would lay in bed and scroll to whatever time it was that I fell asleep and then just go down. Be like, all right, I'm going to, I mean, I'm obviously not going to respond or acknowledge to all of them, but I don't want to miss anything. Like you don't want to miss, um, a compliment. Like if someone says something nice, like you, you want to see that. And if it gets lost in a sea of hate, it's like, all right, well, I'm going to, I'm going to paddle through that sea of hate. I want to, I want to see, I want to see some nice things. And then you, you go and you, you take the time to, to read that. And, um, I try to respond to, to as many people as I can, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very time consuming thing, but I don't ever want to get to a point where, um, you're just not engaging with your audience. I think like that's, that's a big part of what makes me, me, is that, uh, I mean, I've been responding to my audience since I was a literal teenager. I was 16 and I used to log on to MySpace, see new messages, read them all, respond to people. Like it's, it's been, it's just, it's part of who I am now. Like I don't remember life before this. I don't remember what 15 year old Jared did because the world is different now. Like like what people were doing back then is not even what exists today. So yeah, it's just, it is like, I, I don't, uh, I don't see the point in getting upset by words. Yeah. And, and I know that words can't hurt, but something that helped me get kind of like get past the hate and stop checking my ads every time was my brother told me they don't pay your bills. So they, like they didn't, whatever opinion they have of you, just send them one, send them your mortgage payment, send them mm. your water bill, send them whatever. But you're always so incredibly generous with your time. Like you said, you, you're, you're going to paddle through that sea of hate to, to see if somebody's complimenting you. Uh, like you said, beginning of the show, we, you've been helping me with podcasts for almost 10 years. <laughs> and it's, you know, this is kind of your downtime, but you're still so generous with your time where it's like, does a work-life balance exist for you? Um, and just like, again, like you continue to to continue to help people because you were once, you know, a teenager just trying to make it. Um, so like, how do you balance work and life or does, is this even work for you? <laughs> um, it's a good question because I, I try my best to um, have some sort of work-life balance. I think I did a better job of it last year. Um, I... When I was in New York, I didn't have a work-life balance. It was very bad, and I just didn't want to be there anymore. And I think there was just like this weird, like tattletale culture in the office where, like, if you left early, then people would like take pictures of you leaving the office and 
tell on you and tweet about it. And then like now, like, again, it's like the general public believes that you're lazy and you don't work hard. And now people are turning on you and stuff like that. So when I left and came back to Boston, um, I kind of like put my foot down and I was like, all right, listen, from four to 6 PM, I'm off the grid. Don't call me. Don't text me. Don't email me. Don't ask me to don't, don't book an interview. Don't like whatever the no meeting. I won't be there. So that's when I go to the gym because, uh, when I was in New York, like I, I go to the gym at four because it's like, I can do my videos, my podcasts, my interviews between 9am and 4pm. It's the perfect window of time. It's basically like a full work day anyway. Uh, but then I cut it off at four. I'll go to the gym, have dinner, and then the games will start at seven. And I'm sitting in front of those TVs from 7 p.m. until two o'clock in the morning most nights because the, I'm watching the East Coast games all the way to the West Coast games. And I'm like live tweeting the highlights. Like I'm very locked in. I don't know how I'm not on Adderall at this point for like focus, but it's just like <laughs> I'm so obsessed with my job and being the best that I possibly can be at it that I don't like the outside world doesn't it doesn't, you know, register in my brain. Um, I think, has it impacted relationships? A hundred percent. Yeah, it, it has. But I think um, when you're this kind of pot committed at this point to your career, um, I want to be the best. Like I want to be like whatever, whatever it is that we're talking about, like baseball content creation. Cause it's, it's always like w when I started out, like that wasn't even, we weren't even talking like baseball, digital con Like, What does that mean in 2006? We don't know, but now it's like, yeah, there are baseball content creators. And I think when you have the opportunity to say that I'm the best in the world at what I do, or you have the opportunity to be able to say that, um, it does something in your brain where you're just like, okay, I have a decision to make. I can pursue this and try to be the best in the world at what I do, or I can take my foot off the gas. I can be pretty good enough at it, make a decent enough living. Um, and then still have like wife, kid, family, whatever. I, I chose to want to be the best in the world. Like that's what I chose. Um, like, have I had relationships? Sure. But like, it's, it's, it's always that guilt of, um, I know what you're sacrificing to make this work. And, uh, as time goes on, you feel bad about that. You're like, all right, well, like, I know that if I'm going to continue pursuing this and trying to like chase this dream, I'm never going to be able to like reciprocate. I'm never going to be able to pay you back for your sacrifices because mm -hmm. I don't know what, what the light at the end of the tunnel is here. I don't know what, what that is. Like when I'm not playing baseball, I can't sit here and say, well, I mean, I'll probably retire around like 35, 36. Like by then I'll have $40 million in the bank. Like that's not, that's not the career that I'm in either. So, um, I think, I think kind of what I've chosen now is to just go 110% for now. Um, put myself in a position to maybe, in a few years, be able to take my foot off the gas. Um, it's not like I'm losing out too much. Like most of my friends from home are all married with kids. Like, I don't feel like, uh, it's like, damn, like I, I could have been out on Friday night with all my friends, like partying and like having a great time. It's like, they're all raising their babies and, and home with their wives at this point. Um, so there's not a ton of FOMO aside from like the relationship factor. Like, yeah, like I do, I would like to get married someday. I would like to have kids someday. Uh, but right now, as we speak, I'm on ground, like the, the, the basic bottom basement level that you could be in terms of pursuing and finding a relationship. Uh, there could not be less progress there. Um, does that have to do with my job? Maybe, <laughs> maybe a little <laughs> bit. Um, but you know, it's, it's an easy, it's an easier choice to make when it's actually working out. 
like it, like if section 10 sucked and people didn't care about it or like you know your following isn't growing and um you know your salary isn't you know increasing at a rate that you're comfortable with then it's like all right what am i doing like go go settle down go go have a family um but when you see the the fruits of your labor and you're like all right like working hard being consistent and like chasing this it is working out so it's up to you like how how high uh on the ladder do you want to climb like how high is high enough for you um I, I haven't found that height yet i don't think i hope you guys are enjoying part two of our conversation with jared Carabas. but i just want to take a second real quick to talk to you about bet online bet online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond bet online remains the number one spot for all the best sports waging action for 2022 New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code locked on to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Definitely make sure to use that code. Now let's get back to our conversation with Jared. I mean, we always hear about, especially with, with people working in sports, you know, that work-life balance. And, uh, you know, I, I gained a newfound respect for yourself uh, when, when I listened to the Token CEO uh, podcast and, you know, you, you touching about mental health and, um you know, it's 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 a subject that you know Lauren and I have tried to bring into this podcast, and you sort of shed light to you know ending the stigma. And uh, I I think especially with sports, you know, especially as a sports fan, you know, working in it and then you know watching it all the time, especially as much as you do, uh, it, it must be tough to sort of like figure out that break. But that's that's amazing that you've been able to find that break, you know, with with your gym time. Yeah. And, and I know that like some of the listeners on Kirk's show were like making fun of it being like, oh, he just needs to go to the gym and blah, blah. It's like it, if you look at videos and pictures of me from 2019, um, I was so skinny and like it's it's weird that I'm, I'm like a balloon with a hole in it. If like people will be like, oh, like, look, he's on steroids. It's like, no, I'm just happy. If I, if I'm, if I'm keeping weight on and I'm in good shape, that means that I'm taking care of myself. That means that I'm going to the gym. That means that I'm eating right. That means that I'm sleeping better. Uh, and then in New York in 2019, you see some of those pictures and it's like, I was so unhealthy because I was so unhappy and I was living such an unhealthy lifestyle. I wasn't going to the gym. I wasn't eating right. I wasn't eating three meals a day because I didn't care. I was like, all right, well, you know, I guess it's 930. Maybe I should eat dinner. It's like, ah, well, I could just go to bed or whatever. I could go for a walk. So, yeah, I wasn't taking good care of myself. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's I think that a lot of people kind of like and it doesn't bother me. Obviously, like I lean into the whole like, oh, you take steroids thing. <laughs> but if you ever want to know like how I'm doing mentally, look at my weight. Like if if I look like like I've put on like muscle and like my face has filled out. I'm happy. <laughs> that, that means I'm, I'm, I'm doing the things that I, that I'm supposed to be doing, taking care of myself. And if it looks like I've lost a ton of weight and then I'm like a, a, a skeleton, I'm probably very depressed and not taking good care of myself. Um, but yeah, the whole like mental health thing, uh, it's such an odd dynamic for me because I am an introvert who i mean like pat light <laughs> pat light made the joke on section 10 where it's like all right if we opened up a section 10 bar we would do like a game room for coley and we would do a speed pitch for pat and then for jared we'll make a quiet room where you can go and be <laughs> by yourself uh i do i do i like um i like to be alone because that's how i recharge my social battery i can't sounds... do that constantly i can't um like when I go to Fenway and and I meet 200 people that night and I have to like have like 50 to 75 conversations with people, I'm more tired after that than a two-hour workout where I'm lifting as heavy as I possibly can. Um, 
Yeah. Like, and like, yes, I like to be alone. Yes. I'm an introvert, but yes, I can also come out of that and seem comfortable because I am like, I think, I think it, it totally depends on the situation. If I'm at Fenway, I'm comfortable. If I'm meeting people that are Red Sox fans that are excited to meet me because they enjoy the show and like the, the Twitter content and everything, I'm comfortable and I'm happy to be doing that, but it is draining. It's so like, that's what you have to understand is like, just because it's draining doesn't mean I don't like it. It's just hard for my brain to be able to, to do it for long periods of time. Um, but like in New York, what I didn't love was, uh, like when you go out, um, you, it's, it's hard to like explain to my friends that just have these regular lives. I'm like, like, I'm going to sound crazy. Like I'm paranoid because I feel like people are watching me because they are <laughs> like when I go out in Boston, it's fine. Like if, if I see like people looking over at me and like, they're talking to their friends about me, it's like, it's probably because they're excited. They're like, Oh my God, like there's Jared, like, let's go say hi. And then they eventually do. And it's a good experience in New York. It's like, are these people going to attack me? Cause at the time, I mean, the Red Sox Yankees thing was, was pretty heated. Uh, and at the time, I think like my online persona was a little more aggressive. I think in 18 and 19, I was more like in your face, loudmouth punk fan. I think I've calmed down at least from like an online persona perspective in the years since then. But when you're rattling the cage of Yankee fans and then they see you out in, in the wild, some of them actually wanted to fight me. And I'm like, <laughs> all right. Uh, like I used to, I mean, I love wearing socks and sandals comfortable i i it's it goes back to high school baseball you know when you when on game days you would wear your uniform to school and then you would wear the baseball socks and everyone on the team would wear socks and sandals so i mean i just i've been wearing socks and sandals ever since and there were times when i lived in new york where i was like i almost left my apartment in socks and sandals and then i had to stop and be like you should probably put on shoes just in case someone tries to fight you. You're going to want your grip with your feet. Like you're going to want to have your legs. And those are real thoughts that I had while living there. So, um, yeah, it was a very strange dynamic, um, being there, but yeah, I mean, it's again, like the whole, I'm an introvert, but I, I, when I go to Fenway, I have to talk to 5,000 people it doesn't, it doesn't bother me the way that you would think it would. And I think that's a, a not like some good mindset to have because people though, they could look at you and be like, what do you mean? Your mental health isn't perfect. You have the coolest job. People love to meet you. It's like, Oh, like I, I can't feel whatever I want to feel myself. I forgot. Like I have to be like on the go 24 seven. I have to like people constantly think you're, you're happy and you have no reason to be upset, anxious, depressed, whatever, where it's like, I am a human being too. I have a whole life outside of baseball and Fenway and Red Sox Twitter that people don't see that because that's not what you show. But the more you talk about it, the more it becomes like more normalized. And I've said this about athletes too, that it almost makes them more human because we, we admire athletes. We love what they do and we don't see them almost as, as real people. We see them as superhumans. So when you start to open up about your mental health, people are like, oh, okay, like he's just like me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, that's the thing is I, I never wanted to use it <clears throat> as a shield type deal. And um, the interview that I did with Erica where I talked about it was only because she was coming at me on her podcast. And I was like, well, here's what was going on. I, I If you had reached out to me privately, I would have explained this privately. But if you're going to come at me publicly and now people have this incorrect perception because of what you said now i need to correct it publicly so i mean i always get at least like this past year because i think i did that in what march or may or something um this past season when i did meet a lot of people in person a lot of people like you know it used to be like i love your twitter i love your podcast i get a lot of hey man listen to you on erica's podcast and like that was great and blah blah blah, blah. and the one thing that I kind of said after doing it was like, if you listen to it and it helped you, that's great. 
that makes me happy. Um, but the last thing that I wanted to do or be was become some sort of like mental health at, like not necessarily advocate because I do advocate for it and I want to normalize it so that people go out and get therapy. Like it's, it is normal. Like, I don't know what, I mean, I've been in therapy since 2010. That was another thing that pissed me off when people were like, Oh, he's using mental health as a sob story because of like his job. And it's like, I've been in therapy since 2010. So that was six years before I got hired full time. <clears throat> um, but I didn't want to like be looked at as like some success story because it is a balancing act. Like it is uh, like, you're never just like, Oh, he's cured. Like, <laughs> no, no. Like you can have good stretches and good periods. Nope. Um, and think you can feel like you're on top of the world. And then the next day you could feel horrible again. Uh, so yeah, like I, I think like when people do kind of like bring it up at, Fenway or like when I'm at games and they're like, man, I ha glad you're better. I'm like, that interview is in May. Like I, I might be terrible right now. <laughs> like, it's just, <laughs> that's just not how mental health works. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm glad that the people that watched it or listened to it, uh, got something from, it. I mean, a lot of people were like, yeah, man, like I, I'm a guy, you know how guys are like, we don't, um, yep. we're not going to like seek out therapy. Like if it's something that, you know, you have to be toxic in a relationship for three and a half years and your girlfriend gives you an ultimatum to get therapy or I'm dumping your ass. Like that's usually what guys will have to come to. But if you're one of your favorite podcasters is like, Hey, just, just shut up and do it. Like it's, you don't even have to like think that you, uh, have like bipolar disorder or depression or anxiety. Like it just, just do it. it it's very helpful regardless of what your situation is. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, like I said, been doing it at this point now for uh, a dozen years. I, 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 I'm really happy that we, that we talked, uh, touched on this because, uh, you know, it's, it's been something that over the last year, uh, I've, I've tried to speak more fondly about it and, and try, try and be a mental health advocate. So then, you know, it, it, it is like a normal conversation. As you mentioned, you know, it's tough for guys to, you know, when they ask, how are you doing? I'm fine. Like, you're not mm -hmm. going to talk about it because you have to be manly. You have to be tough. You have to be masculine. And if, if you have any sort of sense that you're not okay, or you, you know, deal with anxiety, like you're soft. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and that's just the unfortunate thing. But, um, that's amazing that a lot of people really got a lot from it. And, you know, you, you Very really, really, really impact people, uh, through it. But, um, you know, I really appreciate you taking all the time, um, tonight. But the, the final question that I just wanted to ask you was, uh, you know, it's, it's somebody like myself who, um, you know, has looked up to you throughout my sports career. And um, I know that there's tons of other people out there who, who want to be in your similar position. Um, what's like the best advice you would give to aspiring sports writers, reporters or personalities or people that want to work in sports? You're doing it right now. Um, like the best advice that I give to people <clears throat> is you know, college is great and all like people want to go and get like a communications degree or a journalism degree. Um, and then they want to use that to get a job somewhere. Well, an employer is going to be way more, especially today is going to be way more likely to hire you because you're already doing it and you've proven that you have an audience or you've at least proven that you can build and sustain your own audience and that you're good at it and that you're polished, uh, they're way more likely to hire you based off that than looking at where you went to school and what your GPA was. Um, and I'm not trying to discourage people from going to college, whatever. I have a degree. It's in business. People are like, oh, what did you go to school for? Like, I want to do what you do. I'm like, I went to school for business. I used my degree for a job that I had for 10 months and then I left and now I'm doing this. So it was because I was, I had been doing it. I've been doing it. Uh, I got, I started my blog in 2006. I got hired by Barstool in 2014. And then they brought me on full time in 2016. And now here we are. Um, and it was because I just did it. Like I, I started the MySpace page, which became the blog. Uh, I used to do webcasting, which is like basically this, like this is, uh, it's almost like a, a podcast with video. Like that's, that's essentially what it was. 
Um, then I started a podcast and then I started a YouTube channel and it was, it wasn't necessarily back then about growing an audience, even though we were with the blog. Um, but for like the YouTube channel and the podcast, it was getting comfortable with speaking in front of a microphone or being on camera because obviously knowing like the, the personal side to my life, those things are not comfortable for me, but at that point you kind of saw um guys like maz it's like maz was at the the herald and then the globe and now he's this big radio guy it's like you have to be able to do it all and then he was doing tv like there's no such thing as i'm just a writer and there are people that do that but i don't know that they're not living paycheck to paycheck these days with with just writing so it's like if you can write great i miss writing i i think that's what i'm best at and it's something that I don't even do anymore. Um, but if you can write, you got to be able to podcast, you got to be able to do video, you got to be able to do social. And it's like you you have to be uh, <clears throat> like a Swiss army knife of media and entertainment. So I would say you're already you're already doing it. And but it's not just about like doing the show. It's like what we did when we started section 10. We were just like, all right, uh, Pete, you have some friends in the media. I have some friends in the media and let's ask them to be guests and then hopefully their media friends see what we're doing and then they want to do the show. And that's kind of what happened with, with like Gary Streisky. And it's like, all right, we got some Nesson people. We get some WEI people and some sports hub people. Um, and then that finally we, we got our first Red Sox player two years after we started. And then it's just, it kind of just snowballs, but it is a matter of being proactive and not waiting for things to just organically happen. Um, like you, it, it, it really does pay off to be consistent and proactive about, you know, like how do we make it better? Who can we get on this show? How do we spread the word on social media? Um, stuff like that. So, I mean, you're, you're basically already doing it. So congratulations. <laughs> that makes me feel good because uh, I, I went, I went to, a small school called Plymouth State University. And uh, I'd switched my major midway through. And then I decided to make my own podcast, start my own radio show. And, um, you know, I had, I had teachers telling me that I wasn't going to make it in the industry because it was too competitive. And I said, as I'm going to say this as respectfully as possible, but watch me. Yeah. And I, I just used that determination and sort of like what you said, like wanting to be the best. Um, and so I, I think I think anybody listening to this is, is really going to use that advice and it's going to be very helpful for sure i mean I, like there's so many examples of that from when i was younger too like what you're describing i think like uh my guidance counselor and like the principal of my school like laughed at me when i told them what i wanted to do when i was in high school i was like all right sick all right i'll be back in a few years and then they asked me they asked me uh they asked me to come speak there a few years ago they asked me to come speak to their students and i was just like if I speak to your students, I'm going to be honest and tell them that uh, I succeeded in spite of your school, not because of it. Um, and my central message will be um, that you don't need any of this to, to, to kind of like accomplish what it is that you want to accomplish. So, um, yeah, I mean, like schools, schools great and all, but in today's world, all you need is a, a TikTok and a podcast feed and a YouTube channel and, and you're cooking with gas. Yeah, and I, I think, uh, you know, the YouTube channel for Section 10 has been go going pretty good so far. I'm very happy yeah. that you guys started that. Um, I, I'm, de I'm definitely a, a constant, not only listener, but watcher. Uh, but just for anybody who's looking to support you, what's what's uh, in store for Jared Carabas in 2022? How about let's get a job first. Let's get a job. Um, like right now, we're, we're still talking to Barstool. So, I mean, I, that's... I definitely look at this job and this kind of career path as similar to just being a baseball player. Like Barstool is the team that drafted me. Uh, I came up through the system and I, I won a world series with Barstool. I want to stay there. Like it very much feels like the John Lester situation where it's like, you're going to have to rip the Jersey off my back type deal. Um, but at the end of the day, they, they ripped the Jersey off his back. <laughs> so sometimes, sometimes it doesn't work out. Um, and you don't get to stay 
uh, with the team that drafted you that you won a championship with. So uh, I'm still hopeful. I think it's been almost three weeks now of free agency. So I'm obviously getting a little restless with the situation, but um, I will say outside of that, um, <clears throat> there's going to be some really cool opportunities that I've never done before that I get to do this year. And none of them are concrete that I could announce them yet. Um, but yeah, it sounds like there's going to be a couple of opportunities that I'm going to be able to, to get to do for the first time that I've basically wanted to do my entire life. So uh, we'll see. We'll see if that comes to fruition, but it sounds promising. That's amazing, man. And uh, so, so happy that you get to have the opportunity to do that. And you know, really appreciate you taking all the time that you did uh, today. And um, yeah, I mean, this has made my 2022 so far. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do it again. I appreciate you guys having me on. It was a lot of fun. I, uh, I wanted to make sure because I know that it was, it's been months since we talked about doing this. So I wanted to make sure that we did it right. So uh, next time, next time we'll do it even better. Love awesome. that. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. I hope you guys did enjoy part two of our conversation with Jared Carabas. And we want to thank you guys so much for support throughout this past month. You know, it's been sort of difficult with the lockout to come up with content ideas and still make an entertaining podcast every single week. But we've been doing our best and we've greatly appreciated all the support on every single episode. And we also want to thank you so much for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen every single day. And make sure to make your second listen, Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Now also go and make sure to follow Locked On Red Sox on Twitter at LO underscore Red Sox, because we try to get you guys, the fans, involved in every single episode, whether we interview a reporter a player. We want to help you guys get more involved in every single episode. Let us know your questions. Let us know what you guys want us to talk about because we make this podcast for you guys and we want to do our best so you guys enjoy every single episode. Now, also make sure to follow myself on Twitter at Jake Iggy as well as my co-host Lauren. It's la la la. That's three laws. Lauren with four R's. Now get ready for another month jam-packed with exciting interviews with former players, current minor leaguers, as well as people around the Red Sox organization. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day and we'll see you guys next time. Peace.